0: as Tom said we're going to be starting a mini series um, where I'm speaking this week and Matt is going to be speaking next week um, and we've titled this series Disciples in a Digital Age um, so we're going to be talking a lot about screen time over the next couple of weeks and all of our devices and things like that now I'm going to get you guys to do something to start okay you're getting scared already I can feel it If you have a phone with you, I'm not going to get you to turn your light on and start waving it around. What I am going to get you to do, though, is get it out and put it on the floor in front of you, face down, okay? I know, anxiety already. (laughs) Okay, and I'm going to challenge you to not look at your phone the whole time that i'm talking okay i don't care if you've got the bible app on your phone that's not a good enough excuse all right um you're not to look at your phone and i would also challenge you to be thinking if whilst i'm talking throughout you're thinking about looking at your phone or trying really hard not to okay um I'll be honest. Might be me if it if it was me in your position. Um, so we're going to be talking about screen time today um, and kind of delving into this a little bit more. And you might have noticed that we have called this disciples in a digital age. Okay, we haven't called this series escaping a digital age we haven't called it crushing a digital age or removing ourselves from a digital age we've called it disciples in a digital age okay so we're not against screens here if you need anything to confirm that all you need to do is look to my left and right because there's some pretty big ones up there and what we're not seeking to do is make you anti-screens either But actually, we're talking about how we become disciples in a digital age, seeking to honour God in all we do. So we're not anti-screens. And when we're talking about screens here, we're not just talking about our phones as well. Um, This encompasses so many things. It encompasses TV, gaming, social media, so, so, so much more. And today, I'll refer to phones quite a lot, um, but when we're talking about screens, we're talking about all of these things. Um, And Matt is gonna go into some of these things a little bit deeper next week. Um, And the reality for us is that screens have become really central in our lives. I could guarantee probably about 95% of the room just now put their phones down on the floor. And a lot has changed quickly in a short period of time. Now, this became really apparent to me recently. Um, I was studying a few months ago, and it occurred to me one evening how many devices I have to charge before I go to bed at night, to the point that I couldn't even fit them all on an extension cable. So was going into uni, and annoyingly enough, there seems to be no plug sockets anywhere near the desks, okay? So I had to make sure my laptop was charged. I had to make sure my phone was charged. I quite like to go for a run in the mornings, so, and I track my run on a watch, so I had to make sure my watch was charged. I also, you know, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to running, so I wear a heart rate strap, so I charge that as well. And then I like to listen to a podcast when I'm running as well, so I need my earphones charged too. And this just did not be the way years and years ago. This, this is not what happened. This is not even what I used to do. It's just kind of crept up on me. And for many of us, this will be the same. And you're thinking, you know what? I've probably got another two or three to add to that. So a lot has changed in a short period of time, and they've become very central in our lives. But it is really important to nod to the fact that actually there are a lot of benefits To screens, And one of the reasons we wanted to show you this video was because, yes, there is a bad side to phones, as we saw, but also there is a really special and good side, whether it be communicating with friends and family, whether it be looking back at memories or downtime and switching off, education. Screens have provided jobs for so, so many people. Um, Entertainment. And maybe, like, this lady on the video as well, you've had encouragement that's been sent to you, message to you that you've read that has just come really at the right time and God has spoken to you through that. So as we said we're not anti-screens, these things can be good gifts that God has given us and they can speak to us at the right time when we need it but there is also a reality that there is a darker side to screens as well and this is really important that we talk about. So to kind of give you guys a little bit of perspective about this, I'm going to talk through a couple of statistics, which for some of us might shock us. So the first one is that today alone, there will be around 10 billion Google searches. 10 billion. In fact, the top three searched words on Google, first are YouTube, second is Facebook, and third is Pornhub the average iPhone users, so how many in here here have an iPhone? Probably quite a lot of us, I imagine. So the average iPhone user picks up their phone 80,000 times a year. So this equates to once every four minutes. So for some of you who would normally have your phone on you in in this talk, whilst I'm talking today will have picked up your phone nearly nine times. That's what the average person would look at their phone for. Apparently 90% of people keep their phones within arm's reach 24-7. So wherever they're going, whether they're driving, whether they're sleeping, eating, it's within arm's reach 24-7 hours of the day. And we all know, well, hopefully all of us know, maybe some of us don't, but the crippling anxiety when you've left the house and you realise, oh no, my phone's at home and I need it for the sat-nav or so-and-so's going to call me later or what if I miss out on this? And for some, you might laugh at this, but for some, this is a real issue, a crippling anxiety of when, oh no, I've not got my phone. And there's something about screens and phones that do something to us emotionally, spiritually, and even relationally. This encompasses so many different things. Sometimes it even does stuff to us physically. Now, this can be a bit silly sometimes. I'm not going to name names, but it was rumoured that a member of staff here at Hope Church was on their phone whilst walking in the auditorium and was so engrossed in what they were doing that they fell into the baptism pool. I'll let you decide who you think it was. It wasn't me, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Um, Another example, my sister and I um, once were in the Peak District and um, we were walking to the source of the River Thames, which sounds very exciting and it was quite disappointing. Um, but we were walking through lots of fields in the middle of nowhere and I had an OS map on my phone and I was adamant that this was going to take us in the right direction. And my sister, is; she has a bit of a better sense of direction than I do. Um, And we got so lost to the point that we were walking through a field that had no path on it with grass above our heads. And I was still determined beyond all common sense and reason that we were going in the right direction. And it was very apparent that we were very lost. The reality is, is that we rely on our phones and we rely on our screens and it does something to us, sometimes physically, as we've said, but also emotionally, spiritually, and even relationally. Now, some of you might be wondering, what on earth does the Bible have to say about screens? Because there's certainly not a book of the Bible about technology. Jesus didn't have this little team of vloggers behind him posting on social media for him, videoing everything that he did. The disciples didn't have Instagram accounts where they took snaps of of healings happening and saying, yo, look what Jesus just did. The Bible doesn't talk about screens and phones. However, as we've just talked about, we know that brokenness exists in screens. And we need not to go into all of it, but the kind of brokenness that we see in screens, it might be things like addictions, distractions, cyberbullying, exposure to explicit content, content, manipulation, scams, jealousy from social media, loneliness, inadequacy, news articles, fake news, filters, the list goes on. But... One thing that I really love about Jesus is that he's a redeemer. And he takes brokenness and he turns it into something beautiful. And whilst the Bible has no section on whether Apple really is better than Android or how to find your IP address, which, by the way, is the most Google searched ever, it does have a lot to say about the brokenness that exists in the world and the fact that even in that, Jesus is a redeemer, and so, with that in mind, we're going to go to Romans 12. Um, no phones, please. So, real Bibles with paper would be great. Uh, if you haven't got one, then it's going to come up on the screen. So, it's okay. You're safe. Um, so, we're going to read from the NIV today, um, from Romans 12. And we're going to go chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter, chap- yeah, sorry, Romans 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome here. Now, notice before we even really get into the meat of this passage, how Paul starts this passage, okay? It doesn't say in view of God's wrath. It doesn't say in view of his anger or his frustration or his disappointment or his disapproval. But it says in view of God's mercy. In view of his mercy, And when we talk about screens, it's really important that we don't load what we're saying full of fear and guilt. How many of you have heard um, parents or, or, you know, you as a parent might have even said it to your children at some point, have said, oh, don't watch too much TV or you'll get square eyes. Or, you know, don't do too much of this because you'll get addicted to it. Or, um, don't, don't spend too much time on this because you'll start to neglect your friendships or your partner or this or that. Or, no wonder you feel really low today because you just spent your day scrolling through social media. And actually, this passage is telling us, no, we're not to try and address or change our behavior with fear and guilt That's not the way that God deals with us. It's not the way that God deals with us at all. But actually, in view of God's mercy. And what Matt and I are not trying to do over the next two weeks is guilt trip you into not spending time on your phones or on social media or on Netflix in the evenings. That's not what we're set about to do. Because the issue with trying to change behaviour with fear and guilt is either... It leads us to rebellion where, you know, we kind of get defensive about these things and then we run the opposite way. Or we start to feel a bit self-righteous and think, you know what, I'm, I'm doing this all right, I've got it, and you guys, you need to sort yourselves out. And actually, no, in view of God's mercy. Not fear, not guilt, not if you do this, then that's going to happen. In view of God's mercy. Sometimes it's really helpful to stop and actually remind ourselves, what do we mean by mercy? And um, somebody once taught me this phrase, which has really helped me understand this, and it's grace is getting favor that you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So grace is getting favor that you don't deserve, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. In view of God's mercy... The fact that actually we know we're all broken but we're not getting what we deserve in view of his mercy in view of what Jesus has done for us in view of the grace that he's poured out on us in view of his kindness in view of his initiative that he's taken in knowing us in view of all of those things that we have praised him for this morning in view of this in view of his mercy And to illustrate this even further, all we need to do is kind of look at the other passages around what we're reading here in Romans. So if we look in Romans 3, it talks about how we're all sinners. In Romans 6, it talks about the wages of sin sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Romans 8, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Why? Because of mercy. In Romans 8, verse 38 and 39, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Because of his grace and mercy. So whatever we're going to go on to read in this passage, whatever we're going to go on to read is in view of his mercy. So what does it go on to say in the passage? Well, it says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what it's saying here is how you live, your coming and your going, your everyday life, whatever you're doing, is an act of worship. And we're to place it on the altar before God as an offering. So in view of the mercy that has been generously poured on us, in view of the beautiful salvation that he has won for us, take your life and place it before God as an offering. And so this is where we want to begin any discussion about screens, laying it before him as an offering and saying, Lord, this is yours. And it's the same place that we would begin a discussion about money, about fear, about sexuality. And often it's an area we can treat as off limits. But the thing is, is if you've given your life to Christ today, if you're a follower of Jesus, the reality is that no areas of our lives are off limits to him. We belong to him. And um, at Hope Church, one thing I love is we've baptised so many people over the last year. It's been wonderful to see. Um, and I wonder if you've ever listened really hard to the questions that we ask people when they're getting dunked in the pool. Um, we ask them, have you repented of your sin, desiring to bring every area of your life under the leadership of Jesus, to follow him and to be changed by him? So when we get baptized, that's what we're declaring, that we're going to bring every area of our life under the leadership of Jesus, to, be, to follow him and to be changed by him. And this calls us to quite a high standard. And this is what I'm saying in this passage here. And yes, it's a high standard, but it's in light of his mercy and grace, as we've said, that he's won for us at the cross. And so we're to offer all of ourselves over to him. And so I kind of want to plead to you guys today that if you're a little bit hard-hearted in this area or you think even that this doesn't apply to you when it comes to screens and you're thinking, oh, you know, like, I know some people have an issue with this, but it's not really a thing for me. Well, firstly, A, this should be easy for you then. Secondly, I'd ask you, would you be completely honestly comfortable with turning your phone off for 24 hours and not even thinking about it throughout that time? But also, there's the call on our lives as Christians to bring every area of our life under his leadership, and none of us will have ever got this perfect. And so actually, this applies to all of us, to place our lives on the altar as an act of worship in view of his beautiful, beautiful mercy. And so with this in mind, we're going to look at two of the main issues uh, when it comes to screen time, and then we're going to look a little bit about how we can actually navigate this. So the first issue that we're going to talk about is the issue of conforming, okay? So as we read in this passage, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, when we're talking about being conformed, what this means is to give shape, outline or contour to, or to be formed according to a mould, and whether we like it or not, the culture that we live in has a mould. Whether we like it or not, the culture we live in has a mould. And unless you're intentional to do otherwise, you will fit into it. And i say that again. Unless you're intentional to do otherwise, you will fit into it. But the Bible is very clear here. It says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The NLT version of this, it actually says, but be transformed by changing the way you think. So in other words, if you want to be transformed to not conform to the pattern of this world, you need to change the way you think. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple of laws of psychology, which will help you understand this, hopefully, a little bit more. And these are very well-renowned laws in psychology, okay? So the first one is the law of cognition, okay? And very simply, it means whatever you think about determines your life, okay? Whatever you think about determines your life. And the second one is called the law of exposure. And it essentially says, whatever you think about is determined by what you're exposed to, what you think about is determined by what you're exposed to the most. So your life is determined by your thoughts, and your thoughts are determined by what you're exposed to the most. And this is very similar to actually what we're reading Paul has written here, that the way you think determines whether you are being conformed or transformed and this has a huge implications on the. Way, this has huge implications on the way that we use our screens. If we're exposed to something, we're going to think about it. If we think about it, it determines our life. If we're exposed to it, we think about it. If we think about it, it determines our life. So how do we know what we should expose ourselves to then? How how do we navigate this? What what kind of Will help us make decisions here and interestingly enough the passage actually gives us a filter to help us know how we navigate this so it says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God now this doesn't say to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice avoiding whatever is evil and bad and not good for you Now, in some ways, I kind of wish this passage said this because it would be much, much easier, and it's a clearer-cut way of navigating how I make decisions in my life. This calls us to a much higher standard. So, for example, there's nothing wrong with me sitting down in the evening and, you know, watching a Netflix show. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think it's hilarious. It's a very good show. Um, There's nothing wrong with me spending my evenings sitting down and watching that. However, the Bible is very clear that a pleasing marriage, is ple- a good marriage is pleasing to God. And if I'm spending every evening sat down watching Netflix and no time with my husband, then that's perhaps an issue. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not evil. It's not bad. It's not wicked. But actually, we're called to what is holy and pleasing to God. And sometimes this means making sacrifices of things that aren't evil for something that's better and really, really good. So actually, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, calls us into the holiness of God and not just avoiding whatever is bad. It's a higher standard that we're called to. And again, we're not saying all screen time is bad, but it is either conforming you or transforming you. And it's important that we ask ourselves this question. Is it conforming us or is it transforming us? And I also want to say that this is not just a teenagers and 20s problem as well. But actually there will be some of you in your 70s in this room who are just as bad when it comes to screen time. In fact, I actually want to take a minute to big up some of our youth um, because I know there's a few of them in the older youth at the minute who are having a competition completely unprompted to see who can stay off their phones for the longest. Um, there's a little function on your phone if you have an iPhone which tells you your screen time um, and it can highlight actually how long you've been spending on your phone. So it's a good measure to work out who's been spending less time on their phones and I would encourage you to look at it if you haven't. And I think for some of us this issue has just snuck up on us as well. It's snuck up and you think, you know, a few years ago I wasn't like this and now I know every evening I'm on my phone. I'm distracted. Every morning the first thing I look at is my phone. I'm constantly on it and it's just snuck up on me. And before we know it, we're moulded. And often the reason that this has snuck up on us is because phones and screens, they make us feel a certain way. And this leads me on to the second issue with this. And it's the issue of idolatry. So in Rome at the time, they would have had a big, big issue with idols. But here in Romans, Paul is saying that our act of worship as followers of Jesus is offering our lives to him. And I want to suggest to you that rather than putting our screens on the altar before God, we've actually kind of turned our screens into an altar and we're sacrificing a lot of things on that altar So as I said, idols were a big issue in Rome and the Romans, they knew God, but they didn't acknowledge him and they were so distracted by so many things and caught up in these things that didn't really matter. So if we turn to Romans chapter one, verses 21 to 23, it says this, it says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and reptiles. They knew God. They knew God, but they didn't acknowledge him as God, and they traded the glory of God for something that was mortal. They knew him, they didn't acknowledge him, and they traded the glory of God to look like something mortal. And I wonder if we were really honest with ourselves whether some of us have done this. It's the same issue of here, trading the glory of God for a cheap substitute. We look to it for something that only God can do. And how do we deal with things? Hard days at work, sadness, frustration. Often we go to our phones, we go to distractions, we go to screens. I'll be completely honest. Sam and I had a little disagreement the other day and it was really petty and I was like, I was just sillily furious. And do you know what I did? I stormed off to the sofa. I plonked myself down the sofa and I angrily started scrolling through my phone. I wasn't even looking at anything. But that is what I did in my frustration. I didn't bring it to God straight away. I didn't pray and say, Lord, like help me in this. I furiously scrolled on my phone. Trading the glory of God for a cheap substitute. And technology is an idol. And like all idols, eventually it will let us down. We all know what it's like, well, some of us might know what it's like to, you know, be out navigating on our phone and all of a sudden our phone dies and we realise, oh man, I've got to drive to this place and I need some juice in my phone. They might let us down practically, but actually emotionally and deep down, they also let us down. Have we gone from watching things to worshipping trading God for a device that we hold in our hands. I was actually listening to a talk on this, and the guy made a point that even when we're holding our phones, our posture is almost bowed down. So, if in view of God's mercy, we're to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice and allow ourselves to be transformed by him, we're to do it with our phones and our screen time too, and not exchange the glory of God for cheap substitutes. So what does this look like practically? What does it look like? Well, I want to ask some questions which might help us figure a little bit um, out in our hearts what what is kind of going on here individually for us. So the first question I'd want to ask you is, what do you consistently sacrifice your time for? What do you consistently sacrifice your time for? This is where looking at your screen time can actually be a real big conviction because often the biggest reason why people have lack, lack in their prayer life is lack of time but how do we reconcile that with the fact that you know our screen time is through the roof the next question is what's the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning and last when I go to bed at night Is the last thing we do to scroll on our phones? Is it first thing in the morning that we're looking at them again? And too often we turn away from God and to our phones in the hopes that it will give us what only he can But to start our days in his word and in his presence with his truth in our ears and in our hearts and entering our day in that presence, knowing God is with me. I've learned some of him this morning. I've experienced his presence this morning. I'm going to carry him with me as I go. How much will it transform us to be in his presence from the outset, to be thinking of him as we lie down and as we sleep? The next question I want to ask is, where do I turn for comfort when I'm hurting? Because wherever we turn for comfort when we're hurting shows what we're putting our hope in. I wonder who in lockdown got into the kind of, um, you know, it was kind of a thing where people enjoyed ordering things off Amazon because, you know, oh, I get to see somebody. Exciting. Also, I've got a parcel to open. How exciting. How exciting. That daily little bit of excitement. But again, it's kind of ignoring stuff and turning to other things to make us feel a little bit good in a moment, turning to other things for help when actually we should be turning to Him. Which leads me on to the next question, which is where do I turn to for help? It might be Google searches. Do you know how many things have been Googled over the time? All sorts of deep questions. And we're not just talking about the how do I renovate my bathroom questions. We're talking about the meaning of life questions. We're talking about, do you know, one of the most Googled questions is, should I break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend? Going to Google to answer a question like that? How should I handle this situation? What should I do in this situation? How should I feel about that? And Tom touched on this last week. He talked about running to things as a refuge when God wants us to come to him. And our phones fall into this category as well. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. As we're being transformed by him, then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. We go to him, and again, this means to bring every area of our life under the leadership of Jesus, to follow him and to be changed by him. And the issue with not turning to God in all of these things, but looking at a scream is that we're just given promises that don't deliver. God wants us to come to him because he won't give us promises that don't deliver. The Bible is so full of promises that are so true over our life. And when we turn to other things... The promises they don't deliver. We're given promises of community, of comfort, of satisfaction, of validation, of intimacy that that might even work for a short period of time as we get a little hit of dopamine and it feels good. But like salt water, it just leaves us thirstier than ever. And we end up looking to the created things of this world rather than the one who created all things in this world. We just get a cheap substitute for the creator, for the maker, for the father, for the one that knows us, for the one that loves us, for the one that longs for us to go to him. And so how do we navigate this? Well, I want to say that the way that we navigate this is the way of Jesus. And we're actually going to read a passage from Luke 10. Um, I'm really glad that Tom and Sarah opened up the service in the way that we did, they did this morning, talking about um, how good it is to be in the presence of God. And actually, you know, the sun is inviting out there today, but there's something really special about coming in the presence of God. And we're going to read Luke 10, starting in verse 38. It says this, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And Mary, she chose to sit at Jesus' feet and put aside all distraction. And Martha, she's running around, and do you know what? She's probably doing some good stuff. If I had Jesus in my house, I'd probably be running around thinking, oh, I need to dust that little bit, you know. Um, oh, let me make a cup of tea. Like, let's get dinner on the go. All of these things. Like, Martha wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong here again, busying herself with good things. And yet, what Jesus wanted was, Martha, come come sit at my feet. This is necessary, this is where you'll find what you'll need. In my presence is fullness of joy. Still yourself, come to me. Hear my voice. Posture yourselves so that you can hear what I say. This was Jesus' desire for Martha. Not don't run around being distracted. Don't run around looking at your phone, watching Netflix constantly. But just come, come be in my presence. This is necessary. This is what it says. Martha, come sit at my feet. This is necessary. And I wonder for some of us this morning, there's a little bit of needing to still ourselves and realize, actually, I've got to put aside distraction here. Even for some of us this morning, it might be, well, I normally read my Bible during the service on my phone, but there's notifications popping up left, right and center. Our attention isn't really on him. You might think, oh, I just ignore them, but they're still popping up, distracting you. Some of you, it might be in the mornings. You know, I just need to get myself in his presence. I know it's good for me. I know I need it. It's necessary. And so, for some of us this morning, I think the way that we need to respond to this is to commit and say, you know what, actually, I need to steal myself beside him. And for some of you, you might be thinking, okay, maybe some of this isn't an issue for me, but I still feel the need to steal myself beside him. I'm busy, I'm distracted. And for some of us this morning, I think it's going to mean, actually, I know I need to recommit my life to bring every area under the leadership of God. That Actually, this has been an area that is a little bit stone cold for me. And I'm kind of happy to leave it in this box and leave Jesus in this box. But actually, we want to offer ourselves up as holy and pleasing to God to recommit to bring every area of our life under the leadership of Jesus. And for some of you, I think maybe a little bit of repentance um, from where you know that you've been conformed You know that actually you've turned away from Jesus and you're looking for something in our screens, in those times that we're with our technology, and actually you're like, I need to turn away from this. And for some of us, this might even mean things like deleting social media accounts. That's not for all of us. Again, we're not anti-screens, we're not anti-social media. But for some of us, it might be actually that does need to happen because I can't have this on my phone without it being at the centre of everything. And so in a minute, we're going to leave time to respond to that. Uh, Maybe if the band could start coming up. Um, But I also wanted to tell you about something that we're going to be doing as a church family this week. And I would really strongly encourage you to engage in this with everything that you've got. And um, tucked into the chairs behind you or in front of you, you will notice a sheet that looks a little bit like this. Um, There's enough for about one between two. So if you're a family, if you could just take one, that would be amazing. Um, and we have titled this a seven-day digital detox, okay? So not what we're not asking you to do here is ditch all technology for the next week, Um, but actually there's a thing on each day of this week where we will ask you to, I guess, detox from your digital devices so for example tonight the first one is don't pick up your phone before bed so to disconnect for the last two hours of the day and we're going to do this as a church family this week leading into matt coming and speaking next week and really our hearts here is to do exactly what we read about in this passage in luke 10 and say i'm going to still myself here and i'm going to choose to focus and fix my eyes on the person of jesus And hopefully this sheet will kind of help instruct us uh, to do this. You might want to do it one of two ways. So you might just want to do what each day says, or you might want to challenge yourself a little bit further and do it in a cumulative kind of way, where on day one you do day one, on day two, you do day one and day two and so on and so forth as you go through the week. But we can leave that up to you guys. But I would really encourage you, we are doing this together as a church family. You might want to be talking about how this is going in life groups this week. You might want to be asking each other next week on Sunday and saying, hey, how did you find this this week? What did you find difficult? What did God speak to you about as we did this? And we're going to have faith that actually we're going to enjoy Jesus as we do this and we're going to enjoy his presence and we're going to joy being refreshed by him um, as we do this together so I'm going to invite you to stand um, we're going to have a prayer team down to the right um, and I would really encourage you if you feel like you want to respond today so if you feel like actually I know I need to still myself beside him if you know actually I need to recommit to bringing every area of my life under his leadership if I actually need to turn away from some stuff and repent from some things that I know are just not right in my life, then can I encourage you to respond? We would love to get alongside you and pray for you. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then Tim is going to lead us in a song. Lord, we thank you for what a good thing it is to be in your presence. Lord, we thank you that your presence and your conviction on our life is not littered with fear and guilt, but it's littered with your beautiful mercy and your grace. And Lord, that when you deal with stuff in us, you deal with such gentleness and kindness and warmth. And Lord, in view of that mercy and in view of that grace, Lord, we want to open ourselves up to you and say, Lord, in some of these areas, we've got this wrong and we're sorry for where we've traded your goodness and your majesty for things that are just cheap in comparison. And Lord, we want to declare that we know that you are the good portion. Jesus, you're all we need. Lord, you're majestic. Lord, you're worthy of every single drip of our praise. And Lord, I pray that we would know what it means to lay our lives on the altar before you, to lay our phones on the altar before you, to lay our screens on the altar before you, and say, Lord, we're going to bring every area of our life under your leadership, whatever that looks like, knowing that you are a good father, that you are a good God. And Lord, we want to say we love you. We're grateful for your mercy. Lord, I pray, would you do some work in our hearts now? Would you reveal to us where we've traded things for you? Let's sing together.